Uh, we're in uh, week four of a series called Essentials, and we've just been looking this month as we get our hearts ready for Easter and the resurrection and celebrating what it means to be alive in Jesus. We've been looking back at really what it means to follow him. A couple of things that we have already seen from the last three weeks, because some of you are visiting and you may have missed it. Uh, number one is that we've received the Holy Spirit. Uh, those who are followers of Jesus, we've been given the Spirit of God. And not only that, we embrace the gospel. So we've been given the Spirit. We've been given the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We find ourselves now in the story of God. We're actively involved in it. Genesis to Revelation, we're in the middle of it. And Jesus has rescued us from sin and death and wickedness and brought us to life. And we've seen over the last two weeks that we have the Holy Scriptures. So we've been given something. We've been given this deposit. All of us who have followed Jesus have the Spirit of God living in us. And now we're alive to the Scriptures and we can live out the gospel. But, but is that all? We have one more that we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to see it from Acts chapter 2. And we looked at the first half. In week one, it's on the podcast for free if you've missed it. But we're going to pick it up in verse 40, Acts 2, verse 40. It says, with many other words, uh, uh, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number on that day. Uh, we're catching the tail end. Peter had spoken the message of Jesus to thousands of people and they didn't know what to do. And he said with many words. So in Acts 2, we're getting like a, a five-minute synopsis of what could have taken Peter hours. He talked to them, he shared with them, he answered their questions. And when they realized what the gospel was and who Jesus was, the good news is they accepted the message. They heard about this Messiah who died and rose again, what we're going to celebrate next week. And they were baptized. So they did something on the inside. They accepted it. They did something on the outside. They were baptized. We're going to have uh, baptisms next Sunday. If you've not yet been baptized since following Jesus, you could do it in a brand new, state-of-the-art, wood-trimmed, bubble-infused baptism. I don't know about the bubbles, but we got a new one. And it will be right there or there somewhere here next Sunday. And so you can be baptized. And it says there are 3,000. How many of you have been to one before, our, our once-a-year celebration? Do, do you remember the, 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 big, the big plasty pools in the middle? Like three big inflatable pools. And we baptized, I think, one year, 400 and something. And it took forever. It took forever. Three pools, multiple lines, all Western European organized, taking the bath, you know. And they had 3,000. How long did this take? It must have been chaotic. I think it was a little more like Arua Community Church. There were people dancing, doing their thing, and God blessed them. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus after that? We get this little summary statement that's going to drive the rest of our time together. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles', apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give 
to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The fourth essential that we want to look at tonight is we're called to live with devotion. Tonight we want to look at that. Not only have we received the Holy Spirit, not only do we embrace the gospel, not only do we study the scriptures, but we're called to live with devotion. Let me just ask you, what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? In your own words, what, what does that look like? 2013, Hillsboro, Pacific Northwest. What does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? Unashamed. Anything else? I'm sorry? Spending a lot of time. Yeah. This is a free-for-all. This is your opportunity. I'm sorry? Surrender. Laugh. Yeah. Sacrifice. In love. Honesty. Intentional. We're just getting started. Come on. Yeah. Integrity. Denial. Commitment. Joy. It would be you, Henry, saying joy. You're the most fun-loving guy in the world. To travel with Henry Gowan is to laugh a lot. I mean, he's just so full of the life of Jesus. Again, all of these things, what does it mean to live in devotion to Jesus? We have all sorts of terms, but tonight we want to look straight at the scriptures because we get what devotion looks like. This is a snapshot, one small portrait. It's not all-inclusive. But remember, Luke is writing the story in Luke's gospel, the story of who Jesus is. And then the book of Acts, what the Jesus followers look like. And so whenever you read Acts, you need to read Luke because Luke, you see Jesus, the person. Acts, you see Jesus infused in the life of his people. And so early on, just chapter two, Luke is going to set something in motion. He's like, you want to know what Jesus people look like? And then he gives us this little summary phrase. Tonight, I want to look at what it means to be devoted to Jesus from Acts 2, 42 through 47. Again, it's not the only statements that we get, but these will be really helpful. If you're new to following Jesus or wondering, you know, I call myself a Christian or I go to church, but what does it really mean in the day-to-day? Just look at Acts 2, 42. The first thing, there's at least three elements that I see in this text that kind of mark out what devotion looks like. The first one is this, it's learning. Why are we doing four weeks on the essentials? Because part of being devoted to Jesus is to be a lifelong learner. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, why the apostles over someone else? Because the apostles had walked with Jesus. The the apostles were intimates of the person. They had more of the life of Jesus because they had spent more time with Jesus. And so these 3,000 It says they accepted the message, were baptized, and were devoted. It's all in one string. And so if you want to know what it means to be a real Jesus follower, we accept the gospel, we're baptized, we mark our lives out as publicly following Jesus, and it doesn't end there. The next mark is immediately something on the inside changes, and they want to learn. That's why we spent the last two weeks, if you missed it, podcast it, going over how we can be intentional, and I love that word, intentional learners. 
You see, the, the fact is this. Disciples are made, not born. Disciples are made. It happens through an intentional, a day-to-day process. Uh, disciples aren't born. You could say, well, I, I started following Jesus 10 years ago. Do you know you could start following Jesus 10 years ago and still be at that spot 10 years later? Growth in Jesus, my friends, is not automatic. Now, birth is the blessing that happens to everyone. So the new birth, what happens on the inside, Jesus' transformation, no prerequisites required. You could be a total mess or a total saint. You still need Jesus. But at the moment you decide to follow Jesus, the life of God, the Holy Spirit comes in and you get this whole new way of living. And then you get the opportunity to either stay there or to grow. I was in Arua and most of those kids, in talking with their pastor, JP, most of those kids on the stage have no education at all. They live in the village right around the church. They walk, they live in mud huts with thatched roofs. Now, JP's heart breaks for that. More about that in the next coming weeks, about how we can partner to make a difference in the lives of kids in Uganda. I'll talk about that after Easter. But for now, it made me realize that birth is the gift given to everyone. I have kids their age, and they were born, and these kids are born, but growth is intentional and a privilege. So I come home, and our kids um, gave me the report card on Friday. And I was looking over the report cards, great report cards. And I realized the contrast. Those kids have very little access to education, very little access to gaining knowledge. My kids have more than enough. And I realized that there is an imbalance. And I'm blessed, and we're blessed to have the opportunity to grow, but it doesn't mean we will. How many times do you see students doing nothing in school all day long when those kids would be dying for the opportunity? They've got a hunger and a drive, but they don't have the means. Let me just say this. As an American who follows Jesus, you have access, I have access to more teaching and gospel and training than anyone in the world. And the question is, will you throw it away? Will you seize the opportunity that God's given you? Will you become an intentional, devoted, I want, I want more, I want more. You know what I love about Jim Williams? 70 years old, and he's doing Pilates. Bring it on. Yes, 70. And we're in part of the same gym, and I love to see him. He comes out a crazy mess, and I'm going in to do my bed. I'm like, man, I'm 40, 30 years from now. I want to be pounding it out like Jim Williams. But you know what I love more than that? He's hungry to know the Bible. The guy has translated into Spanish the entire Bible. The entire Bible but he sits in the front row. You took his seat, by the way. He's not here this weekend. He's teaching the Bible to pastors in Latin America. He's sitting over there and he's writing notes. You see, disciples are learners. And so you and I have the privilege, the opportunity, but will we make the most of it? Have you committed yourself to grow as a learner, as a disciple, as an apprentice, or are you content where you're at? And you and I have got to wake up that time goes by quickly. Would you agree? And the years turn into decades, and the decades turn into the end of a lifetime. And it would be so sad if you were 70 like Jim Williams is right now, and you have never really grown as a Christian. 
But you could be 17 years old, you could be 15, you could be 55, and you can jumpstart your commitment to grow. And that's why I hope you took the challenge last week. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you were given the challenge to read your Bible for how many days? Seven days. That's where it starts. How many of you, don't raise your hand, please. How many took the challenge just to open the book for seven days? My friend, I hope that these weekend gatherings are a stimulant to your growth and commitment to the things of God and not your excuse to say, check, did it. Heard the guy, sang the songs, I'm done. But I hope rather that these gatherings almost make you jealous and say, man, if I were to press in every day like I did on Sunday, what might God want to show me this week? What does God have in store for you this week? If you do not seek, you will not find. If you do not knock, you will not have a door opened. If you do not pursue, you will not gain. But put that in the positive. If you do, my friend, you open up your Bible in the morning and God by the Spirit will speak to you. Will you choose to be a lifelong learner? How do we do that? We do that through the weekend gatherings. We have this thing called the house of learning. Every semester in the spring and in the fall, there are classes with godly people like Steve Marshman and others where you can learn from others' experience. We have missional communities where you can gather in small clusters all around the city and sit on couches with other people like you and learn and ask and grow. There's life on life. If you need a mentor, you can find a mentor who could speak into your life. But we can have all these things. If you don't have the desire, it's useless. And I pray that you will be jealous in the positive sense of the word, to want to grow like never before. This year, I tell you, the more I've been growing as a believer, the more I want to grow. The more classes I take, the more I want to take classes. The more I learn from godly men and women, the more I want to meet more godly men and women. I hope that God will fuel us in our desire to grow. The second thing is not only are we learning, but number two, we're sharing. Look at the text. They were not only devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, but to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Uh, the word here, to fellowship, which is the key word here, is the word koinonia. Say it with me, koinonia. Koinonia. Koinonia simply means a close association involving mutual interests and sharing. It's about communion, fellowship, relationship. Koinonia is a relational term. And so they were uh, uh, committed, devoted to the teaching, to grow in the things of God. They were committed to grow in fellowship, koinonia, into sharing. Now, now sharing is kind of a loose term. I want to give you two other references. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. This word koinonia is used 19 times in the New Testament. But two others to give you the flavor. Uh, Paul, Romans 15, Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a koinonia. They were pleased to make a contribution for the poor. Koinonia is not just, dude, we hang. Koinonia is a commitment to closeness. So the poor amongst the people in Jerusalem, the churches in Macedonia and Achaia gave koinonia. They gave a contribution. Hebrews 13 says, don't neglect to do good and to share. 
koinonia, what you have. For such sacrifices, they're pleasing to God. You see, what we want to do is grow as a community in learning in what we know in our head, but head alone makes us intellectual snobs. Head and a generous hand makes you a follower of Jesus. So when knowledge changes your bank account, you have truly been born again. Now, you don't need to have your bank account offered to God to become a child of God, but a true child of God has given their bank account to the God who saves them and lives with a desire to contribute for the needs of the poor and for those who have less. You cannot say you're growing in the grace of Jesus and be stingy. You cannot say you're growing as a disciple, as an apprentice, and a follower of the master because the master died dirt broke. Jesus did not have an IRA. And there's nothing, I have one, there's nothing wrong with one. But Jesus emptied his bank account and then died on a cross to suffer for foolish people like us. So if you want to follow Jesus, it must affect your material resources. It has to. And to say that you're truly following Jesus and feel unaffected by the needs of people around you is hypocrisy, absolute hypocrisy. But we can grow in this area. So two other analogies I want to give you before we move on because fellowship is used by Luke once in Acts 2, 42. But, but it's used by others across the New Testament, but the New Testament is full of pictures. I want to give you two more that fit with the word koinonia. The first one is body. Oftentimes you look at, you say, what does it mean to be a part of a church? The word church is used infrequently. The word body is used all over the place. So Ephesians 4, there's one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is only one gathering of God's people around the world. We're all part of this large and a metaphor body. Now what's that about? Romans 12. Just as each of us, each of us has one body and there are many members, these members don't have all the same function. So in Christ, we though we're many form what? One body. So we're, we're one body, that's nebulous, but we're members in the body. So each member belongs to all the what? Others. There are no independent spleens, no independent lungs, no independent fingers. Every bit of the body is connected. Otherwise, it dies. Take an organ out, take the lifeblood out, and it dies. And so when you see yourself, koinonia is about living as a member in God's body. So we all have different, what's the word there? Gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. You have something to contribute. God has blessed you abundantly. If you say, I'm new to Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has all the gifts. And so God has already graced you. The question is, have you been growing and learning to discover what God has already put inside you? And then if you discover it, are you willing to step out in faith and trust that as you reach out and you choose to serve, God will use you to bless other members of the body. We need each other. Now, another metaphor other than body is the word family. So you see all over the New Testament, words like this. We ask you, brothers and sisters, adelphos, adelphoi, in the singular or in the plural, 
This is a common term. When Paul thinks of the church, he does not think neighbors. He doesn't think friends. He thinks brothers, sisters. We ask you to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, who admonish you. And I want you to read the detail here. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. So we bless people that were on the stage here because we honor that God has given them work that is a blessing. Live in peace with each other. Why does he say live in peace with each other? Because left to ourselves, we work against each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive so some of us aren't doing enough, right? Live at peace, but some don't do enough. What do the brothers and sisters do? We warn each other. If you are a Christian slacker, mooching, just looking for everyone to feed you, you have no desire to serve, you have no desire to sacrifice, you have no desire to give, you have no desire to throw your life for the cause of the gospel, it's my responsibility to pop a vein and in Christian love encourage you, life is short, my friend, serve Jesus while you have breath. Give it your all. And if you're going 80%, I think 80% is great, but 90 is better. And so we ought to stir each other up, warn those who are idle. I think part of the challenge in the American church is if you don't like it here and you don't like the fact that I'm yelling at you right now, you'll get up and you leave, you go to the next church. And there's no accountability and there's no sense of belonging and there's no sense of family. There's no sense of responsibility. We're independent consumers. And if you don't like it, you just go wherever you want. And the body suffers when we live that maliciously. And that's, that's malicious. That is not New Testament Christianity. That's American subpar cultural Christianity. And I'm a little ticked off at it. So, uh, disruptive, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. And then, this is the flip side. This is where I need to grow. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. So you see both in this kind of text, brothers and sisters, we need to pick up those who are struggling. We need to be patient. We need to love. We need to be mean. We need to be nice. We need to be all of it. We need to act like brothers and sisters. So looking back at the text, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, breaking of bread and to prayer, that's communion, and to regular times of prayer, everyone, verse 43, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So where God's people are devoted, God is doing amazing things. And that's, that's the encouragement. If we'll just fit ourselves into God's plan, we'll see, we'll see these signs, these wonders. It wasn't just come into a gathering, go home unchanged. Uh, we are seeing, I think, week by week, people transformed by the gospel. Just stick around for a while. In the last years, and last year that we've been here, so many lives have been transformed by Jesus. It's almost so regular that it becomes whew, a little, you know, boring. Like, oh, another person was saved by Jesus. Oh, oh, another three people were baptized. Oh, oh, but there were five last week. Hmm. You know, like we get so we get so ho hum. The Spirit of Jesus is at work. But what does it require? Let's just keep reading again. All believers were together, had everything in common. The word common is koinos, which comes from the word fellowship, koinonia. 
koinonia, sharing. They had everything in common, koinos. It, it's not, we're not talking communism here. We're talking biblical Christianity. People didn't see themselves as just living for themselves. They saw themselves as part of God's body. So they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. So you say, Jose, are you suggesting some of us should sell some stuff? Absolutely, yes. Because why? There are people right here with needs. I'm not saying give the money to me. I'm not even saying give the money to the church. But I'm saying if you're a true follower of Jesus and you're growing and you're learning, then you will grow in your sharing. And the best thing that can happen is when we never hear about a need in the church. Why? Because a follower of Jesus heard about a need, just did something about it, and it's done. That's the ideal. And here's the funny thing. I'm starting to hear stories about you just doing Jesus stuff not asking the church to make a collection, not asking people to give out some fun, but I'm hearing about it all the time. You are a generous people. You are blessed to be a blessing, and we want that to be the norm. It is abnormal if you are here and you're a part of this body and you have aching, pressing need, and we don't know about it. That's not normal. Why? My brother Miguel, my brother Raphael, my sister Raquel, they could call me at any point, except right now I'm on a stage. They could call me at any point. If they need anything, what do I do? I give them what they need. I'll loan you that. No, I don't loan my brother anything. If you have the money to give it back to me, great. If not, it's yours. Why? That is what good related people do. People in good relationship give themselves because family does that. So it should be very normal that if you're in need, that your needs are met by Jesus' people. It shouldn't be like, wow, the church helped me out. That's why we're here. And so if you're struggling, my word of encouragement to you is tell someone about it. Don't be ashamed. Like, I don't want anyone to know. Jesus knows. And Jesus has provided the answer to our common need. Why? He gave some people in the body more than enough to share. And that should be absolutely normal. I'll pray we'll grow in that grace. The third thing that we see is sharing. I'm serving. The third thing we see is serving. So, middle of verse 46. Everyone continued to meet uh, together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, that's a weird one. They're meeting at the temple, which normal Jews did. They just joined in the Jewish prayers, except they were like, God, you don't know the God that you're praying to. I know him. He's Jesus. So they're joining the Jews at the temple, praying to Jesus. And here's the funny thing. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. So they're talking about the Messiah. They're talking about this Jesus. They're meeting at homes. They're inviting people into their house to talk about Jesus. More people are following Jesus and there was a favor. When we are doing this right, people are not writing articles against us. When we're doing it right, people begin to take notice that when there is hurt and there is pain, that the church just steps up. When there is need, the church just steps up. If we choose to live this way and grow in the area of service, this is what will happen. Middle of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number, what's the next word? Daily. What's the next word? Daily. Those who were being saved. The Lord added daily 
The word added is continually added. The word daily is daily, in case you couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Just daily means daily. So wouldn't it be great if tonight you were not following Jesus and you're like, yeah, I'm in. And tonight I pray that for some of you. So I mean, right now, right here, you're like, you know what? Now I get it. It's not just about praying some prayer and hoping Jesus will remove my guilt so I can keep sinning and living like a greedy, hoarding American and then expect Jesus to bless me. But no, it's a radical transformation of life where Jesus by the Spirit teaches me and then Jesus shows me that I've been blessed to be a blessing and I serve and I give my life away. That's what I want to do. And if that's you here tonight, I'm going to call you out in a minute to begin following this Jesus. It will wreck your life. Jesus will take away most of your stuff. Ha, ha, ha. And you know what? That stuff's killing you anyway. Jesus will fulfill it and fill that empty spot with blessing and favor and giftedness. And your life will be different and harder and better because of Jesus. But you know what? The Lord added daily. Wouldn't it be cool if someone started following Jesus right now? Wouldn't it be better if someone started following Jesus in your home tomorrow night? In that coffee shop on Tuesday? down the street on Wednesday. And that's where we want to go. We want to go from not just seeing people follow Jesus on Sunday, but seeing people follow Jesus every day because the Lord added daily. Now, what happens if Jesus doubled our gathering in this next year? So I'm like, cool, man, like America, bigger, better. You know, um, what, would happen, what would happen if Jesus doubled the gathering in this, in this next year? Why? Because not because people less, left first this or second that, because, you know, I like the coffee here. It's stronger and, you know, skinny jeans and all that. It's awesome. You know, but, but, because, but because, because Jesus got a hold of their life. What would happen if we doubled? You know what would happen? Every single one of you would have less free hours this, in a week. Why? Because we need more people serving. The Lord added daily. Everyone gets excited about church growth. No one gets excited about less hours to spend in the week because you're busier serving Jesus, right? And so if you're expecting to be here, like, oh, I want to be a part of a move of God. You know what a move of God will cost you? Blood, life, tears, sweat, prayers, heartache. A move of God. Do not pray for a move of God unless you're willing to give your life away. So I'm praying for a move of God but it's going to cost us everything. More blood, sweat, and tears. Why? Because people matter to Jesus. They matter. And because people matter to God, the church rises up and says, Jesus, teach me. Jesus, show me what to contribute. Jesus, help me to serve with my whole heart. I'm a Hillsong United fan. Any Hillsong United fans? Uh, yeah, Okay. How many of you downloaded their new album, Zion, which is like beyond epic? Okay, how many of you stole their album? Because nobody downloaded it. Horatio! <laughs> Our guitarist just confessed to stealing their album. Oh my goodness. Church discipline right after gathering. So... Here's the funny thing. One church in Sydney, Australia produced an album that went number one in multiple countries in the world in one week. One local church produces an album 
that hundreds of millions of people in the next few months will steal, <laughs> including our friends. <laughs> what one local church can do. When, when this was written, one local church could do very little. Why? They were in Jerusalem. They had no media. They had no technology. They had difficulty in language barriers. They had difficulty in, in, in travel. But because Al Gore invented the internet, now anything is possible and the whole world can be transformed by the power of Jesus and it can happen in our lifetime because by the Spirit of God, every generation should reach their generation with the gospel. Every generation should reach their generation with the gospel. So the reason you're sitting in your chair is because someone sacrificed their life to get the gospel to you. So now the gospel call is for all of us to get off of our duff and begin to get out in the kingdom, grow in the scriptures, grow in the spirit, and do something. That's our job. And we get the privilege as a church this year to grow, not by just attracting people to the magnet and the buzz, but to grow by giving our lives away for the kingdom of God. And if you're willing to do that, there is no telling what God will do in this place through God's people. I don't think we need more people to see a move of God in Hillsboro. I think we have enough people right here to see a move of God. But if he doesn't have all of you, then he can't do everything through you. So I pray tonight that you would ask God to do more through you. Solid Rock started nine years ago with a few people on a mountain in southern Oregon praying Acts 2.42. Steve, were there nine people? I think there were seven people, God's holy number. Seven people on a mountain outside of Medford praying for a move of God in Portland. And in nine years, we are seeing a move of God in Portland. But let me tell you, every one of those seven people have given their lives for the cause of Jesus. So don't get all giddy about a move of God until you're willing to throw down your life for the cause. And so the good news is it started now. Now, a year ago, we started on Easter, a week from today, praying for a move of God. And there have been tons of people who started following Jesus. And I'm just praying for more. I'm asking God for more. I'm seeking God for more. And I'm inviting you tonight to do more. I said, bottom line, sales pitch will go to the table. Four things I'm asking every human being listening right now to do. And, and, and if we don't do this, we're going to hold back what God would want to do. Four things. Number one, gather. Make the gatherings a high priority. If you have 110 fever and are sweating like a pig, stay home. <laughs> but if you can, don't, don't do the, well, there was something on the TV. Smash your TV. Be here at the gatherings. Why? Because you have something to give, not something to get. You have something to give. And if you're not here, someone else may miss the blessing. Two, scatter in a missional community. Do whatever it takes to grab one or two or three or four believers. Start praying for one another. You say, I haven't gotten in. Find one or two or three believers and just start praying. God, open up the door. Don't just do Sundays. Do something in the middle of the week. And we want to help you do that. Three, serve. Serve with your missional community, serve the city, serve the church. Be a contributor, not just a receiver. 
And number four, give. That's, that's energy, that's through service, that's through financial resources. Be someone who is pouring out and not just receiving. I think if we'll just keep it super simple and say, you know what? I'm a part of Sunset. This is my family. I'm a part of the movement of God. I gather, I scatter, I serve, I give, not to earn God's blessing, but because I'm blessed. I want someone else to be blessed as well. And if it costs me something, I'm willing to give it. I think we'll see a great move of God throughout the city. Amen? What are the essentials? We have the Spirit of God living in us. We've been given the gospel of God to share out. We have the scriptures to grow and become strong. And we're called to be devoted. Full-on followers of Jesus. Not half-baked, not half-hearted, full-on. And if you're willing to live that way, I just pray that as we take the bread and the cup, that you'll take it with a fresh lens. Not just a juice, not just a cracker, but say, Holy Spirit of God, get a hold of my life. I want to be used by you. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this into practice. We're going to totally put it into practice. Uh, some of you, you filled out these cards. And what we've done is these cards are at the tables. When you t go to take the bread and the cup, you may pick one up from Balin, who I happen to know, who's praising God for his continual faithfulness. His prayer request, he's getting married in 47-ish days. Uh, or maybe a Amy, she's thanking God for a neighbor who's come wanting to talk about hard things. She's praying for wisdom to share. Maybe it's Amber, uh, praising God that God has never failed to provide, but praying that a vomiting syndrome would be healed. Uh, or Heidi, praising God for good relationships, praying for the heart of her sister, which is hardened towards Jesus. Maybe it's Krista, praising that God's provided a wonderful living situation. Praying, should I go to North Carolina? I feel called. Pray that God would get me there. Maybe it's Kate praising God for sending Jesus for the people he's placed in her life. Praying for her children to choose to walk closely with God. Maybe it's for Reagan. Uh, praying for the, uh, praising God for the trees blossoming for spring season. Someone who needs sun. And praying for God, uh, for a neighbor whose wife died and he's now alone. You get the point? Uh, Kelsey praising God for a great school term. Praying for a friend who lost everything in a fire. What we forget, my friends, is there's real stuff going on. Real blessing and real challenge. So tonight what I'm going to ask you to do is when you go take the bread and the cup, I'm going to ask you to take a card. I'm going to ask you to commit to this card. We just did first names only because we don't want weirdness. But when we go back, when we get together, I'm going to come back and the band's going to come up and be ready to play. And when we pray before taking the bread and the cup, we're not going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray in circles for the people on our card. I'm going to ask that you put this in your Bible. I'm going to ask that you put this on your fridge and that this week you plead with God for the person. Here's why. This is not a random person. This is someone sitting in our church. And if you know them and you hear and see a need, I'm going to ask as the Spirit leads you, just go meet it. Just go do it. If you see something, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. You just, without anyone knowing it, just be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen?